With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to a the second episode of The Blue Turf. This is Thad Bell from The Blue Testament. I have with me my co-host, Eric Bergrud. Did I say that right, Eric? Yeah, Bergrud. You got it. Okay. I always worry about that, man. I always feel like I'm going to mess up people's names. Um, anyway, Eric from Park University and one half of the Comets broadcast team and uh, longtime soccer guy around Kansas City. So we actually have games to talk about today. Our first episode, we were just kind of talking re- you know, preseason and all that. Uh, two games against the ambush, one in St. Louis, one in Kansas City, split the games, each home team won. Um, tell me what you saw from that first game, Eric. Well, Leo Gibson wasn't playing in that first game, and I think you saw Leo Gibson play in the second game. That's my cute, snarky response to you, that Kansas City's had a hard time in recent years playing in uh, the, at the family arena in St. Charles. I think in the early years of this current incarnation of the ambush, Kansas City would head across the state, pick up uh, pretty convincing victories, but in recent years it's been tighter. I think uh, you can see some of the challenges that Coach Leo Gibson's facing in terms of, of developing his roster with with uh, Rian Marks out, and we can talk about his status, that sort of created a, a vacuum in terms of who's going to score the goals. And we saw on Friday night, the goals coming from behind the forward line. We saw Lucas Sosa with, with two. And 
even on Saturday when when he decided to play himself, most of the goals came from midfield and defender. And so for me, one of the, the big questions for this team this year is, who's going to score the goals? Yeah, and I know they're a little challenged right now with Rion uh, with an injury. Not sure when he will be back. I've heard it could be quickly. I've heard it could be a little bit longer. Uh, too long for comments, you know, taste, obviously. And then, you know, some of the guys are battling with the visa issues that after, you know, some league rules changed. So hopefully some of them will be back sooner than later. Uh, Benji obviously could add some scoring touch. I think Junior Kazim could add some scoring touch. Um, but yeah, that's always the question, though. I mean, sometimes the comments are really hot and sometimes they can put 40 shots on goal and score once. It's just it's hit or miss. Well, so on Friday, I think they found out the difference of the St. Louis ambush when Paulo's in goal, because Paulo, what's the expression? He stood on his head, 19 saves on his first game back after uh, knee surgery, and, and, and Paulo was all, out all last year, and I think you can see the difference. He carried the team that night. They won. The Comets had the chances, though, in overtime and could have put it away. They didn't, and then they paid for it the other way, and so I think uh, – they made some tactical adjustments on Saturday. Good to see James Togba in the offense, and, and he scored a goal. But I think that this year, unlike previous years, they're going to have to find multiple guys to carry the load. And what's ironic about this, that is, in thinking back to the inaugural podcast, I said this about St. Louis. Without Moen NDI there, they were going to require a team effort to score goals across that roster. And I almost think that I was talking about the wrong team. I think the Kansas team may be facing that this year too. Uh, oh, it could probably apply to quite a few teams. Um, one of the positive I'm going to take out of the, the first game is despite missing quite a few players, despite Leo not playing, uh, you know, kind of, a, I, I want to say O'Dane was a bit of an emergency signing to make sure they had somebody out there and, such a nice, wonderful guy, but he's a wee bit slow at this point in his life. Um, so, you know, all of those factors, and they still had that chance to win it on the road against a bitter rival. I don't want to say bitter rival, a, a heated rival. Uh, we'll find a better term for it. Um, High 70 rival, that one you can't ever go wrong with. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. But despite all that, they took it to overtime. They almost, like you said, they had their chances to win it. And then, it, you know, they took it to, it was that close against a, a goalie that was standing on his head. So that's a positive. If they can do that against the heated rival across the I-70, across I-70, that maybe they can do that, continue to do that against other teams. Well, I, I think this, regardless, the team believes in itself. They, they believe in the core there. And I thought what was interesting was to read some fan reactions, not only after Friday night's loss, but even after Saturday night's victory. And so, I don't know if it's an issue of, of fans' expectations being set the last couple of years, where the, where the frustration may lie, but the, let me summarize in a couple of different ways. It, it's easy for indoor soccer fans to look at the goalie as the goat or as the savior. And I, I think in the case of Neto, He's a consistent guy in terms of he's going to play the same way game in, game out. When you score 10 goals a game, it doesn't really matter if he plays aggressively in the back. You're going to win. When you score 
four goals a game like they did, four goals and a loss on Friday, four goals and a win on Saturday, it, it kind of magnifies uh, what happens on the on the defensive end. But but on Saturday in particular, I thought Neto made some outstanding saves, saved uh, a shootout yep. uh, attempt too. And so I think fans are just kind of searching for who do we believe in and, and who's going to carry this team. And I, and, I, and I think that with injury issues already, with visa issues, the question is going to be who's going to step forward. And, and I think we can talk about who will be the logical players on this team who who elevate and and carry this team through the month of December. Yeah, and I think in any sport at any level, I mean, I've seen fans heavily criticize the Chiefs after they won 21 to three. I mean, just because they didn't score, you know, 35. Right. Uh, sometimes fans are just I mean, that's what they are. They're fanatics. Right. Now, I, I won't argue with I, I sometimes wish Neto would stay home a little bit more. But he is exciting. He is a great shot stopper. And he can he could t- t- potentially take over a game and, you know, shut it out and help them win when they're not being able to score. Uh, so I'm not going to criticize him too heavily. Like I said, I wish he'd stay home just a little bit more at times. Uh, but he is fun. Now, let's see. That that was one of the things that we you know we kind of forgot to mention in the first game is that that last goal. But that's that was the goal they gave up when Neto came out and they got by him. I understand that, and if you watch the replay, Odin Sinclair was trying to track back on Marcel yeah. Berry, and Marcel Berry just just flew by, and so. Did Neto make a, a, a split-second decision to go outside the box? Yes. Sure. Did it ultimately uh, cost them? Sure. But in a way, Barry made a good Wallace score a pass to Otto Yahich, and there it was. And so nobody else stepped to Barry. Neto decided to, and, and there you are. And if the ball never gets inside that yellow line, we may be having a different conversation there. And so – it comes with the territory of being a goalkeeper. You accept more responsibility. There's this old adage about strikers can kick how many balls into the stands and nobody remembers. They, they score the game-winning goal and it's all the glory. It doesn't work right. that way with goalkeepers. Nope. The, the other thing I think with Neto is, and I know we'll likely be talking about Kevin Ellis later in the podcast, he plays an interesting role in this league because he's become sort of the guy that fans on other teams point to like there's, there's the guy we don't like. And and we've seen this with St. Louis, St. Louis fans making comments about Neto. We've seen this with Wave fans making comments about Neto. And I think that that energizes them and, and makes him play better. And so I, I see where fans are coming from. I understand that fans, Traditionally, we'll say stay back in your line, but I can reel off goalkeepers in the past that fans have talked about as well, who've been willing to to let's just say play forward and not stay tethered to that line, and and ultimately that's what the Comets signed up for when they made Neto their their starter, and and he is the starter. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and like you mentioned, nobody else stepped up there. There were a couple of comments that probably should have been moving in that direction, but maybe just tiredness and whatever else they didn't. Or I, I don't actually remember who was on there at the on the field right at that moment. But a couple other players probably should have made that step before he did to to uh, do the cover on that play. But 
again, it's it's what it is. The uh, oh, I hate that term sometimes, but it's the first game. It was a loss uh, on the road against the heated rival, blah, 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 right? But they come back home, and it's a good response. Um, you know, they they never surrendered a lead. They uh, they basically shut them out for an entire quarter. Didn't, you know, very few chances in that that one quarter. So they had a 2-1 lead all the way through the third quarter, all most of the way through the fourth quarter before Leo added that goal. Thankfully, he did. Uh, yeah, and, and Wallace Scoras. So Ray Lee, I've been watching a lot of Ray Lee. It's sort of interesting, and teams don't want him to shoot with his left foot. So he's adjusting his game a little bit. And he ultimately decides to pass off to, uh, I believe it was John Sosa in the corner, and John Sosa finds, finds uh, Leo running through the box and sort of scuffed at it dribbled it into the corner and uh, not his most powerful shot that he's ever taken, but, but definitely effective. And at that point, ambush goes six attacker and uh, Ted Sane takes care of business uh, to make it four one. Absolutely. Um, now to, to that second game, well, both games, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, a little bit of Kevin Ellis drawing some attention from fans uh, it seems like he, now that he's went to St. Louis, he, well, he actually relished it while he was here, but Kansas City fans liked it a little bit, but now it's even more so, I think, is he's relishing a little bit of a villain role, you know, playing the instigator and, you know, doing a little bit of antics with stuff. Uh, is that how you saw it? Yeah, well, let me take a step back. So I had a, a conversation with, um, let's just say somebody connected with the comments about Kevin Ellis before Saturday night's game. And, and uh, a reminder that if you look at the buildup to all of St. Louis's goals, Kevin Ellis had a, had a role in there. So regardless of what people want to make about his uh, reactions, et cetera, he's an effective player and he can play in a lot of different roles. And, and I mentioned this on the broadcast when he played for the comments, he could play defense. You can push him through the midfield. You can play him at forward. He he plays multiple roles on power plays, and uh, we've seen him score with his head, with his feet, whatever else. And he wound up scoring both goals for the ambush here on Saturday night. Well, sure, he uh, had a an enjoyable opportunity, uh, let's just say relishing his return back. But uh, I think this is a role that's made for him. And I thought what was... Uh, Extremely funny is of all the people in the world saw a comment uh, this morning when I was uh, on Twitter by Derek Huffman, who who responded to a photo of uh, Kevin Ellis and he said, hey, comments, at least I never pretended to be cool with you guys like Ellis did. I love this. So, so, I mean, this game has always had villains in it. Uh, going back to to early days and and occasionally it's the goalkeeper it's not always the goalkeeper but i know the comets fans for years have made uh derek huffman sort of the target of their venom and now i think that maybe that's going to be shared among a few players yeah probably one part of me hates the idea that you know it's going to be about villains but yeah it does actually draw a lot of uh conversation and attention and fan interest so uh yeah, so I guess we could say Kevin did the heel turn, as we wouldn't, as they would say in wrestling, right? You could definitely say that, and, and there's some parallels to that as well. And uh, sometimes they're they're the ones who get the biggest headlines and uh, draw the crowds in. Uh, 
Yeah, it, we will still have to see how he uh, does throughout the rest of the season. Uh, but you're you're right with uh, his talent. He's he has the potential to be one of the top players in the league. Like I mean, he's you know played in MLS. He was when he's playing well, he was one of the best players. You know, he if top five, top ten player in the league. Maybe you know maybe the top player even. You know, I know I'll get a lot of argument on that, but maybe one day we should do a pod on who's been the best villains over the last you know ten years or so. We could absolutely do that. I, I'd say though, here here's the one thing that it's to be determined. That is, there are all sorts of rumblings about the St. Louis ambush locker room, and there have been players that have come, there have been players that have gone. Uh, stories about Mo NDI last year, who's now playing for Empire Strikers. They have their uh, their kickoff coming up this week. How does Kevin Ellis fit in there, and is he going to be a unifier or not? I guess I guess we'll see. I, I did talk to Paulo on Saturday. He didn't play, which was a bit of a surprise. It, it was a surprise going in, but when I thought about it, it makes more sense coming off an injury, not subjecting him to back-to-back games but he talked about the leadership within that that core unit so you have him you have uh, Lucas Almeida who's now a player assistant coach so so there are some seasoned veterans there that are trying to help elevate the newer guys it'll be interesting to see where Kevin Ellis fits in in all of this yeah I I have some thoughts on that but I'll probably save that for another pod fair enough all right um Coming up, we the comments don't play until December tenth, I believe. That's correct. They, they got a couple got a couple weeks of practice to get in. What do you see they're needing to work on for this that time? My biggest uh, observation from Friday night's game was their susceptibility to the counterattack. And that's something I noticed last year. And I think that's something that St. Louis took advantage of. And so how you set up your defensive lines, I still think that it's expecting a lot of John Sosa who has been playing for a, for a long time to push up in the offense and then be able to, to hustle back to prevent a counterattack. And so how coach Leo Gibson, assistant coach, uh, coaches, I should say, Stefan Stokic and, and Jenna Weinbrenner, how they set up those lines, I think are going to be critical because to me, I think you want a fleet-footed pairing with with uh, with John Sosa. And what we saw with Sosa is in both games, put him in on free kicks, put him in situations to uh, with the game on the line, and and he he has no fear of, of shooting and definitely the capability of scoring, but I think they absolutely need to work on the transition game, both defensively as well as offensively. Yeah, I think we saw some positives on the power play, but they probably need a little bit of work on that. And and then Togba impressed me because I think he he's definitely going to elevate his offensive game this year. And we saw him taking on William Eske, who is also one of the fastest guys in the league. I want to see how they create situations for Ray Lee as teams try to force him away from his left foot. How do you put Ray Lee in positions to score? Because going back to what we said early on, Thad, it's right now not looking like the forwards are going to be the ones scoring all the goals on this team. So I think that's issue one. I think issue two is 
Leo and is going to have to figure out a conversation with player Leo. Where do I fit in? And so are we looking at a regular line? Are we looking at potentially special teams? What does that have to be? Because one of the things we saw last year when the when the roster was was fairly normal is Leo would occasionally play defense. Leo would play special teams and he wasn't relying on himself to be a to be the point or be the target. How do they adjust now knowing where they are with with strikers? And as you said earlier, we don't know about the uh, the prognosis of, of Rion Marks and when could he be back? They have a couple of weeks to get healthier. And we'll see big game at Mesquite, but then they have to turn around and play against the, the Milwaukee wave. And, and what I'm hearing is Milwaukee is going to be better than what we saw last year. Yeah. Uh, even though Leo may have done a lot of different positions last year, he also was one of the top leaders in goal scoring and assists. And so for people who say he can't play, I think that's probably a, a, a statement against that. The uh, him scoring the goal in this last game is a statement against that. I do, th I do kind of think that he needs to play a few less shifts, uh, and you know, be more cautious on that. But it, it's also who else was he going to play in this last game? Um, I think uh, O'Dane played a lot. I think in the first half, but not much in the second half. And I don't know if it was an injury or just he he played two game or a game the night before. In that game, you you got to protect some of these guys from too too much running. I would have actually liked to see Nick McDonald been on the roster last night or or Saturday night, uh, but that would have uh, that would have given a, a faster or not necessarily a lot faster, but a faster and healthy guy. Uh, but again, I, you never know exactly what's going on on practice and things like that. So when we criticize from the outside, that's that's it's easy. It's a lot harder to make that decision when you're the coach. So so then you start trying to figure out how do we create situations for other people to score? And that potentially is what you work on over the next couple of weeks. We saw Lucas Sosa with two goals on Friday night. We saw Togba score. We saw Sosa score both games. We saw Tetsane score. Um, and, and so where are the goals going to come from? I, I think that when the Comets look for situations to leverage their speed, and that's Tetsane going down the left side. That's Togba, wherever you want to put him. That may be where they where they look on. I, maybe I overanalyzed this on Saturday, but it seemed to me that they they adjusted to create opportunities for Togba, and then he scored that first goal. I, I think you you look at who are the guys, particularly if we're playing back to back that next weekend. Who are the guys that we can count on who are going to have the legs to take us through? Because Mesquite, we don't know a lot about yet. They were out during COVID. They're back. New newish roster or re, reconfigured roster. It's hard, it's hard to know what to expect there. You know what to expect on Milwaukee, and you know when Milwaukee comes here, Ian Bennett's going to try to put on a show. You add on top of him LSO, Marcio Lette, Derek Huffman, etc., and it's going to be a battle. So I'm sure they're starting to think about how do we get how do we get wound up for that weekend. Yeah. It I think it was a good observation about Togba. He he scored that early goal. And then um, I did notice that he was, they would often try to isolate, you know, one they'll 
it's been kind of a, a common thing in history is you try to overload one side and then isolate one guy to the other side and let him take somebody on. And once he's beaten that guy, then you have a swarm coming in from the, the opposite side of the field. And I think that's what they were trying to do with Togba. And I think he did it well early, but I think they've kind of, they shut him down a little bit more as the game went on with that. So it'll be, it'd be interesting to see if they will switch out some, maybe like which guy is that guy a little bit more often, you know, maybe that's now, uh, Lucas Sosa or Tatsani or somebody else that will have that chance that who's a quick dribbler. You know, if we had Benji, that would probably be him. It's those options yeah. and it's that change. Yeah. And you ultimately have to play with who you have to play with. Right. Yep. So uh, we could sit here and talk about the injuries and the visa issues, but, but ultimately Leo's job is to be a figure out who are, what team, gives me gives us the best chance to win and, and the, then there's questions about guys stepping up we've heard a lot in preseason about Lalo who didn't really get too many shifts uh we'll see if he gets his opportunity Mike De Silva I always like on special teams but I, I think they have to do a better job of getting him into the offense the regular offense not just just on special teams and uh and then again, with Leo, how many shifts, as you said, how many shifts is he going to play and, and what makes sense for him, not just at his age, but but strategically what makes the most sense in terms of how do you maximize his use on the field? All right. Um, so one other interesting thing happened on Saturday night. I think there was a guest coach up there in the in the suite level watching the game. Coach Lasso. So what's funny is uh, I, I heard this was going to happen earlier in the day. And uh, of course, I couldn't say anything about it, but I was watching the comments, social media, and, and they kind of teased it just a little bit about stars being in the house and they used the hashtag believe. And so when um, this was uh, right after they did the flex cam, uh, feature at, at Cable Dom Arena, and then all of a sudden you saw him in the in the suite and uh, started picking up on social media. I saw Adam Snaves had tweeted it out, and then Comets grabbed the photo after the game. Uh, some of the staff members were Jason. I think Jason's family was there too. So a great moment, and and he was wearing the retro Comets uh, jersey that they wore last year, the 40th anniversary jersey. So that was a really nice touch, kind of old school Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's uh priceless marketing there for the comets, you know. That'll be something they can use for a long time and just you know, a lot of attention, which always helps because there's still people that doesn't really know as much about them as they should. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's I I guess I'm getting old enough fad that uh there are so many younger people in Kansas City their concept of soccer, professional soccer has been sporting Kansas City, not even the Wizards, because they don't even right. remember when they were the Wizards, the Wizards, but sporting Kansas City and more recently the current. And it's it seems like people forget that there was this whole indoor soccer tradition dating back to 1981. But because of how everything has changed in, in, in the soccer world in the United States, the Comets in a way were ahead of their time when when they were uh, in the Kemper Arena days, and now they're trying to find their identity amidst all this happening. Plus, and we haven't even talked about the World Cup. So you have the World Cup happening. You have Major League Soccer. You have the NWSL. And, and, and trying to 
teach a new generation or a, a younger generation about the magic that is indoor soccer that's really hard to describe you can't really compare it to anything else it's yeah. not really hockey it's not really soccer um but it delivers moments that you can't experience anywhere else oh absolutely it's i mean i've uh, if you gave me an opportunity of you know, pay me a million dollars to play indoor soccer or outdoor soccer. I would choose indoor soccer because I enjoyed it much more. I enjoyed playing it a lot more. I'm, I mean, a fan of both games. I'm a fan of men, women, indoor, outdoor. Uh, I even enjoy futsal, which, you know, angers some indoor fans, which I don't understand. <laughs> they get mad about somebody enjoying a different form of soccer. What, uh, there's no walls? What's that all about? I know. it's, But, uh but it's still it's it's a it's at least a every opportunity the comets and the MASL and all the teams can get in front of more fans at least to go hey why is he there something you know I'm not like the marketing guy I'm the like hey let's talk about the game guy but it is still a great opportunity I'm not sure how it came about but it's it's really good and the comets have got to make the most of it as when they can I got some shots of him from when he was up there in the in the the retro jersey. And, you know, if he's out town about town wearing that or at some event and he wears that, that's just going to be even more priceless marketing for him. Uh, but I know there's been a lot of uh, speculation how the Ted Lasso series would end, right? Because, you know, it's like maybe he'll he'll give up in England and come back to Kansas City to coach and, you know, kick Peter Vermees out of sporting Kansas City. Like, hey, maybe he'll be back and play for the comments. Maybe they got to put that idea in Jason's mind. Who knows? And I, I think what what last night or i guess that was saturday night reminded us is uh the power of media and how it's changed soccer and changed everything and and i know that there are a lot of fans who weren't too happy with the decision to move from youtube to twitch and i i think making it beyond one's personal preference and kind of looking at the bigger picture ultimately it, it's about getting a younger generation engaged in a sport. And for me, I was, what, 14 when I attended my first MISL game. So trying to reach people where they are rather than asking them where you want to be. And, and, and I think that it, it's a challenge for longtime fans who, who've stuck with this game going back to the 80s and 90s to see how things have changed so dramatically but they've also changed in a positive way because there were so many teams that never even had any tv let alone a, a decent radio signal if you could go back in time to the 1980s and see what the media coverage of, of soccer indoor soccer was now and look at all the opportunities today you would be flabbergasted in terms of how good people have it today compared to oh, yeah. the way back then. The, the chances for me to watch soccer back then was, you know, zero almost. I, we, I did uh, as a teenager watch Steamers games because I, I grew up in St. Oh, Louis. Sure. Uh, when I moved back there after I was in the military, I watched the St. Louis Storm games. I went to in person to them a lot. Um, but I've always been I was indoctrinated to soccer by a middle school guidance counselor who had lived in Europe for a few years. So that was really how I even really got a good experience to it. And I grew up in St. Louis, which is or outside of St. Louis, which is the soccer hotbed, according to them. 
and we'll see how that goes. The um, but just getting that that like you said the the generation that's been around for a while with the comets has is trended older. I mean it's it's an old demographic that is the hardcore fans, and you have younger fans come in, but it's it's finding them more often and getting more of them in, which is the challenge and. I know last year when they switched to tw- switch to Twitch, I've got to be careful how I say that. Yeah. Uh, the engagements went up dramatically over being on YouTube because it's not going to get promoted on YouTube where it was on Twitch. And I don't know how. Well, obviously we've only two games in this year, so I don't think I don't know if anybody's looked at those demographics. I'm sure somebody has. I'll ask about it maybe next week or so. But it's going to get in front of other people who might just you know who people who sit watch other people play video games like which boggles my mind i mean i've done it a few times but getting some of those people engaged in watching indoor soccer would be a big boon to masl absolutely so it's just always trying to find how you can get them connected in through a tv show through this through you know i remember in the old mls days you know we saw a mls jersey on a tv show and People would go nuts. Was playing for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Melrose Place actor. I mean, they they tried everything back then. And you know, and the MASL has to kind of do that now. I mean, bringing in, you know, Landon Donovan for a season playing. You know, he played a few. He played a handful of games, like a dozen or something. I don't remember the exact number. things like that. So just getting that attention from any way you can is, is they got to do it. So it, it works. Well, I had this conversation with somebody that where uh, I like to poke at the eighties. And I say this as a child of the eighties, that indoor soccer is glamorized how good it really was back then and tends to forget some of the warts and challenges, but. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you, if you were to go back to the 80s, and if if the fans there or the teams have been reminiscing 40 years later, they would have been playing the Andrews sisters at all the home games, and people would have been crazy. And yet, so my running joke about Danger Zone being played for the 13,000 whatever time at, at uh, in Kansas City is, yes, I think it's important to celebrate the past. And I probably more than any announcer in, in the entire league draw back on the past in the broadcast. And yet we have to look forward at the same time. And so yep. it's, it's a balance between celebrating the history, which I think the, the comments have gotten it right. And I think the 
the uh, reunion nights they did last year and what they have planned for January 21st this year is the right thing to do. At the same time, we need to look forward because ultimately you want the average age of a Comet fan to approximate what a sporting KC fan is. And, and it's, it's not necessarily bring the station wagon to the game like it was when I was growing up. The game has evolved. The marketing has gotten a little bit more sophisticated. And, and ultimately, I think what we want to see is people seeing a Comets game is on the calendar and knowing I have to be there and I don't want to miss it. Absolutely. And I I, th I think that like prime demographic is like the 20 to 35 age range because they usually have disposable income. They buy beer, they buy jerseys, they buy hot dogs, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you want a certain percentage of kids there. So they grow up with the game and understand it. And when they can spend their own money, they go. And then, you know, you have the older fans who may not go as often, but, you know, still remember back to when, you know, Kim Runtvid looked young. Um, <laughs> hey, 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 Rocket. I didn't say that. That was that. Uh, I just had to. Sorry, I, it, it, I I literally just picked an older player out of my head. So he was once called the Danish darling. So there you go. No man, he was amazing player. Still a great guy. So uh, I, I I loved when he came out of retirement and played against Vlaco in that one game down in Wichita. So. But it, I mean, if you go back, since you mentioned that, if you go back to that era, the league went out of its way to let's say leverage sex appeal of players. There were some very intentional moves the league made to get a younger demographic. In this case, it was women and not just men to go to the games. So there were competitions, awards. There were players uh, appearing clothed, not totally unclothed in, in uh, adult magazines. I mean, it was everything happening back then. And so I'm not suggesting at all that it makes sense to duplicate what teams were doing back then. But what I think you can learn is that you have to speak to what makes sense of, of your era and the demographic that, that you want to reach. And uh, I think the league is making the right moves and it just yes. doesn't happen overnight. And it's easy to lose patience. Just like I think you can look at one or two games and, and make all sorts of uh, comments about where the comments are versus where they're going to be. Ultimately, what matters is who's going to be lifting the Ron Newman Cup championship at the end of the year. And the comments, I'd say today, just as I would say last week, they have a shot to to go deep in the playoffs. And, and we'll see what we'll see. I, I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit because, yes, it's important to lift the Ron Newman Cup, but it's important to – I think it's more important to have that stable uh, base of teams that are continuing to grow their fan base because if, if San Diego wins it again or Florida wins it again or Milwaukee wins it again or, God forbid, Baltimore wins it again, um, you know, that sort of thing – well, it's it's good for the league, you know, having different teams win it and all that. But if their attendance continues to grow, it's not good if a team wins it and their attendance is 500 people in the stands. So I want it's one of those, you know, the greater good, you know, rising tide lifts all ships, blah, blah, blah. Uh, lots of platitudes could be used there. But if I want to see the league here tomorrow, next year, 10 years, 20 years, I want to be 
wheeled into the arena to watch games. So, you know what I mean? And, and we need the, the clubs to continue to grow. Well, and I agree with that, Thad. And I'd say that it's important that shows like this continue and not just in one or two markets, but in markets across the league. I think that what Nick and I try to do on, on Comets broadcast is, is to be league positive. Right. Meaning that we, we spend quality time engaging fans from other teams. We do interviews with players from other teams. In fact, the only interview we ran at halftime was with St. Louis's goalkeeper, which it would be kind of rare on it every other broadcast. And so yes. I, I think that if we, and I'm talking about Kansas City at this point, redouble our efforts to grow interest in the Comets and also do whatever we can to promote the league just across the board, I, I think you, you'll see that goodwill duplicated across the league. And I think good things are, are happening with other teams in other markets. It just takes time. And I think that what doesn't help is comparing where the MASL is in 2022 with a totally different set of circumstances than what the MISL was in 1987 and drawing conclusions on that. There was no MLS in 1987. Exactly. The internet wasn't even really around other than in, in defense department terms back in 1987. And so there's more competition. There, there are more discrete audiences for everything today than than the way the world operated then. And so I, I again, I think we can celebrate the past and we should celebrate the past. And and you know, sometimes Nick and I may, may more me than Nick get dinged for spending too much time talking about the past on our broadcast. Yep. But at the same time, we're also forward thinking too as well, not only during the broadcast, but outside the broadcast. Totally agree. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So thanks to everybody who listened. Let us know what your thoughts are. And we will talk to you probably next week. <laughs>